Oh, hello. 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 <sighs> What's going on, I girlfriend? Have, I have a mouse in my house. Hold on. Slow down. <laughs> That's too quick. No. We, I have a mouse it, oh. in my house. <laughs> okay. It's important. That that was like eight seconds into the episode. Uh-huh. You really just can't wait to talk about this mouse. Yeah. Well, it's not, well. This is Goose Chase. Wait. Hello. Hi. Uh, there is a mouse in Christie's house. There's a mouse in my house. We are, we are off, off with it. Yeah. Pshaw. We're going to talk all about my mouse. Yeah. My roommate. This is a concerning message I received from you this morning. Yeah. What did I say? It's like I woke up at like nine and I, I read from you. Uh, yeah, I just woke up and I guess I'm not going back to bed because I there is a mouse in my bedroom. Yes, uh, that was around five in the morning. Mm-hmm. So what happened is I already was going to bed late because I have a problem. <laughs> I'm an insomniac and I can't fucking help it. So yeah. I was already going to bed much later than I wanted to. And then I'm finally settling in. I was still kind of watching an episode of um, Scientology in the Aftermath. And uh, I shut the lights off. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to, like, wind down. And then I start hearing rustling sounds. Mm-hmm. And I am a garbage person. And I've discussed my depression nest before. So I have, like, bags mostly full of, like, crafty things on the floor. Um, just, like, plastic bags with stuff in them. So... I hear rustling through bags, like, to the side of my bed. And I will hear it, and I'm kind of listening to an episode, so I pause the episode, turn the light on, it stops. Turn the light off, give it a couple minutes, it starts again. And I'm like, Jesus. I hate that. Like, there's something down here. Which freaks me out. Well, yeah, like your bedroom is in a basement, which is worth mentioning. It's right. Not, it's not just like it just like popped up in any room. It, it went to where mice, I feel like, belong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like a surprising place for it to be. Yeah. And we did know we had like a, a mouse in the garage. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's not like totally surprising, but... As I'm hearing this rustling and stuff, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to sleep. So I stayed up a little later, even than what I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then I finally, I'm like, okay, I'm not really hearing it. Settle back in, fall asleep, wake up at like five, five thirty in the morning, whenever it was that I texted you, mm-hmm. because I was hearing more scuttling on the other side of the room, and it was louder, and it just wouldn't stop. And I was like, I'm so freaked out. And if I try to fall asleep now, I'm going to have a nightmare. And that's not good. So I just like was like, well, I'm not going to be able to sleep because it's being too noisy. So I guess I'm awake now. (laughs) And I didn't have like traps or anything. And if my parents do have them, I don't know where they have them. And it was like five in the morning. So it wasn't about to like. Go try to figure that out. Yeah, right. I did consider putting clothes on and running to Walmart and, like, buying stuff and setting it up. But then I took a good hard look at myself <laughs> and went, I barely have the energy to sit up in bed. It's, so It's also, like, 
it's it's like the, you 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 could go up and, and sleep on the living room floor easier than you could get up and go out to Walmart and deal with this right now. Right. Um. Also, I had to pee. Okay. This factored into the decision. It factored into the decision because I haven't mentioned this. I fucking hate rodents. I do not like them. Mm-hmm. And I just like them. The, so the first time I realized that I had a rodent issue, or like a like I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, that's the right way to phrase it. A rodent issue. Um, <laughs> rodent issue. <laughs> like a a personal rodent issue. Like yeah. my soul has a rodent issue. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, was I was living in a house in Pittsburgh, and I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast or not, but I was with my one roommate. Ryan and our other roommate, his girlfriend, Sam, was out of the house. And my boyfriend at the time, Ian, was out of the house. And we hear rustling from the other room. And we're like, okay, that's weird. Like, did someone break in? Like, what's going on? So he he and I go into the other room. He goes downstairs to check and see if there's an intruder doesn't see anything because we had like a direct door into our basement so someone could have broken in that way so then he comes back up he leaves the room and then out of the corner of my eye i see a rat not a mouse a fucking rat run across the room and down into the basement and my reaction now keep in mind we thought there might be an intruder and my he which leaves in, the in, which room. Which there was. Yes, but like a human intruder. Yeah. He leaves the room and then like as soon as he leaves the room, all he hears is me going, ah, and like no words, like oh no God. actual words, just like yelling. Now how fat was this rat? Yelling. It was big. It was a big fat rat. It was big. It was like I'd say its body was probably like this big it's and like then a, it's, it's like tail. a six inch rat. Yeah. Yeah. And then like it was about big. that in tail. So as like well. a foot long including the tail. It's a foot long rat? Including the from from uh, little yeah. little whiskies to tip of the tail. I gotta say, it's say a big fat rat. That was a big fat rat. Yeah. It was he was a big boy. That's <laughs> a big boy. Um so that was when I was like, Oh, I don't like rats. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's about how I feel about them. So I really had to pee when I woke up at, like, 5 in the morning. But I was laying paralyzed in fear in bed, like, I really don't want to get up because I hear it. I don't want to. Could you not tell where the sound was coming from? It was on the other side of the room, but it doesn't matter when you're afraid of it. But mm. though I did turn the light on and it, it stopped rustling. Yeah. But I didn't know exactly where it was. I know it's not going to get me. It's just, like... I don't want to. <laughs> Eventually, I got over it, and I went upstairs and went to the bathroom and came back down, and I folded laundry and put it away. That's what I did at 5 in the morning. The best part of this is that right now, there is probably a dead mouse in in a rat tra- in a trap in your room right now. Uh-huh. Because your mom texted to be like, I heard one of them go off, but she refuses yeah. to go look at it. Yeah, so today... After work, so I did not tell my mom that there was a mouse in the house because I knew she'd freak out. 
So Which she did. Which she did. So after work, I bought some traps and I came home and I was starting to set them up and she was about to come downstairs and I was like, I have to tell you something. I don't freak out. I knew she was going to freak out, but don't freak out. And I told her, I was like, I think there's a mouse down here. And she's like, oh, no. She's more freaked out by this than I am. Yeah. And um, she's never had to deal with it before now, okay. miraculously. Like, I have multiple times. So I hate it, but I've done it. Sure. So she is not happy, of course. So I am, like, picking stuff up off my floor so there's nothing it can get into. And then I I got these traps. I put a little peanut buddy on them. Okay. Um, That's the probably trick a pretty is, good. The trick is not too much peanut butter that it could just nibble it and not set the trap off. You want a little little smudge of peanut butter right, so it's gotta work that it has it. to make contact right, with the it, trap. If it could just nab some, yeah. then it will. Yeah. So Makes sense. We, um, we I <laughs> set those up. In the doorway, and then apparently they don't like cloves, so I threw like cloves all around my bedroom to try to drive it out of my bedroom. You said cloves or clothes? Cloves. Cloves. Yes. Okay. I don't I don't know if it likes my clothes or not. Okay. We haven't had a discussion. Earlier you told me this, and I thought I heard you say, well, they hate the smell of clothes, so I put clothes all over my room. And I'm like, what is, <laughs> they hate the sm- smell of clothes? <laughs> I mean, you can't be blamed because clothes is also weird. But then, like, what I pictured was you just scattered clothing everywhere and, like, well, job done. <laughs> no, I, if that were the case, I would have just left my room the way it was. That's actually what I thought you said. It's like, well, they hate clothes, so done. Uh, if anything, I think they'd like it. It'd be nice and warm. They could make a little nest out of it. Yeah, right. I figured they would love clothes, but then you said that, and I'm like, well, she's the she's the expert. <laughs> they don't like clothes. Clothes. Honestly, I just bought, I just believed you whatever just you said. You just went with it. I just believed it. Cloves. Okay. What? Where the hell do you even buy cloves? You have cloves. What are you talking about? Cloves. The spice. Cloves. Oh, you mean like no, I mean, like, I guess I have some ground clove, maybe. You have cloves. I don't have cloves. Pretty sure you do. I do it's not what you have stick cloves. in a ham when you cook a ham. I don't have no cloves. <laughs> I'm, you might have cloves. I'm uncloved. <laughs> I'm going to check later. I don't have cloves. And I'm, I'm going to tell everyone if you do. <laughs> I don't have cloves. But it's a spice. So my mom had them. Okay. Um. So I threw those all around my bedroom. <laughs> okay. And Makes so my mom, more sense. my mom texted me. <laughs> also, the traps are really sensitive. So when you're setting them up, you set them off about like a billion times yeah, sure. as you're setting them up. But these are just a little mouse traps, so they don't mm. hurt if you actually catch yourself. Like it kind of hurts, but yeah. not. It's not going to break anything. It's not like a bear trap. Okay. Um, not like really, Charlie from It's Always Sunny. Is it enough to kill a mouse if it doesn't yeah. break your finger? I don't know. Yeah. Well, also, stupid. I wasn't sticking my finger on the pressure point and letting it snap my finger. I was right. like attempting to like set it up. So my right. fingers were kind of not in the direct impact yeah. area. They were to the side. So it was kind of catching me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they were just like setting off and not touching me at all, but just like back flipping across the room. <laughs> 
so I kept setting them off as I was trying to set them up. Mm-hmm. And my mom kept going, did you get one? And I was like, I'm setting the traps. He's like, I'm in the room. Do you think they're going to? I was like, it's not going to come out when the lights are on. <laughs> so uh, after I left not too long ago, my mom texted and said she heard one of the traps go off. Because I told her, I was like, now, if you hear a trap go off when I'm not here, then I might have caught something. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I'm not checking. And I was like, okay. So I don't there see might why not, be okay. a dead mouse in my room. There might be. There and there is. it will remain. For like a day. For several hours. All right. My stepdad will come home in the middle of the night. That's true. Like He'll probably. Three or four in the morning. And He'll he probably will check look. it. I also had to tell her to make sure to tell him that I have sprinkled cloves all over my room, and that is not mouse poop. Okay. <laughs> Which is, like, way bigger than a mouse poop anyway, but I have a feeling that he would look around and be like, there's a lot of poop, though. I have some good news and some bad news. <laughs> Although I I looked around, like, I did a little check, and I did see what looked like a little bit of mouse poop, but that's exactly what I said to my mom. I was like, there's good news and bad news. Mm-hmm. Bad moose. Bad moose. Bad moose. Um, there's some mouse poop, but not a lot of mouse poop. She's like, well, what does that mean? And I was like, it means there's one mouse versus many, basically, and that it hasn't been there very long. Yeah. Which I, it can't have been there more than a day. I would think that that is probably right. Because if it were there Monday night, I would have heard it Monday night. Yeah. So I think it just, it tried to get somewhere warm. So that's where we're at with the mouse issue. <sighs> that's where we're at. That is, uh, <sighs> you know, it happens, I guess. It does. And it's just like, it's, it's the time of the it's year a for field it. mouse. It's the winter time. They're just trying to find somewhere to get warm. Yeah. It's not a rat. I can deal with the mouse better than I can deal with a rat. Sure. <sighs> it's probably fine. It's probably not chewing a hole in a wire right now. <laughs> You don't need to give us any other thing to worry about. I know. <clears throat> well, with any luck, it'll chew a hole in something and it'll fry its little brains out. <laughs> yeah, and also set the house on fire. Hey, you know, <laughs> who knows? And then we get to claim insurance money. Yay, everyone wins. But then there's proof that we thought about that and then they're going to think it's premeditated. Plus the rubble of your home will smell like delicious clove. And roasted rat or mm. roasted mice. Mm. Yay. Like some kind of nightmare Thanksgiving mm. in, yes. in a post-apocalyptic. Little, little mice hams. Yeah. Um, I want to introduce uh, or rather uh, offer up one quick thing before we move forward here is, uh, you know, I, I'm very excited. I talked to you about this a little bit, but the NASA InSight <laughs> yeah. uh, craft has landed on Mars. It landed on Monday. And it is super cool and really exciting, and um, it's it's uh, it, it took years, you know, for this thing to come together, and so now we have another spacecraft on Mars, which is really cool. That's neat. You were telling me all about it because I did not know very much about it, and you were telling me how it has like a little probe thing that goes down into the mm-hmm. the it's going to call it Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, down into, into the Mars. Into the Mars. Um, it's got six of them, actually. And six they, like, probes. like, hammer themselves in. Yeah. Um, I'm imagining them like little cartoons. Like, they... Like, they are not. You said they're spring-loaded. I'm just imagining they, like, they jump up and they have little faces and they just, like, 
pound down into the ground and they just keep doing that, but they make silly little faces while they do like it. Like they, they do that Yoshi's Island thing where they go like bring and then like. Yeah, kind of. But imagining their eyes are like real big when they go up <laughs> and then they get real squinty when they hit the ground. I have bad news. They are not cartoons. I know, but just let me think of it that way. Okay, you will, yeah, you, you could do that. Sure. Stop it. <laughs> um, well, that's what I'm doing. Uh, they're cool because someone animate this. They're cool because they're going to be figuring out a lot of things about the Martian, you know, like soil and the interior of Mars. They they have these these. It's like how many of the aliens living inside of Mars are named Marvin? Uh, that will be a very interesting thing to find out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the whole point. I suspect all of them. Uh, the it, what what I like about this spacecraft that's really interesting to me is that like it had to find this good landing area without too many rocks so that it could set all of its instruments off of itself mm-hmm. and then like assemble them or whatever it has to like do all this stuff of like setting down all of its work tools. It's like me when I was trying to pull an all nighter <clears throat> back well, in the college days. You gotta have like room to set your books, yeah, your energy of. drinks, and your. Yeah. All of your other It's like a little, just things. a little, like, hole in the middle of a mess in the middle of your living room. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's and also, like, I'm a probe on Mars. Yeah. I guess in this case, you're the you're the inside itself. No, literally. I'm, this, what you're seeing is a hologram. I'm actually on Mars. Well, I can see there's no reasoning with you. <laughs> uh, you're just now figuring that out about me? Um. So, yeah, insight is cool. And uh, it's, cool. it's uh, you know, currently it, it sent back a picture today of its first view sort of from where it's you – know, because it sent back a picture when it landed straight down of the surface beneath it. Um, and now <laughs> it's finally sent back some a daytime photo of the sort of horizon and, and where it's sitting. And it's cool stuff and it's exciting for science. Talk about the kinds of science it's going to do <clears throat> like – Figure out things about Mars. Well, there's I, I I think the two big things are the thermal properties uh, of Mars as you move down towards the inside of it. So they'll be measuring uh, temperature. They'll also be measuring like the rate of change between hot and cold, which will tell them things about like the soil density and all that, which is cool. And if there are any like metals or mm-hmm. like how conductive. Well, they want to know how the warm the core is for one. You know, mm-hmm. they want to know, like, you know, like we know quite a bit about Earth's core. We don't really know that much, I guess, about Mars's core. So by digging into it, you know, we'll learn quite a bit. Now, by saying that you know a lot about Earth's core, what you mean is that we know it's hollow, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And when you get to the middle of it, you just kind of float there. Well, and then that's where the reptilians live, though. Yeah, sure. They yeah. all float inside the core of the Earth and yeah. drink delicious uh, monotonic We all gold. float on. That's what they say. It's Mighty Mouse. (laughs) Modest Mouse. I always call them Mighty Mighty Mouse. Mouse. (laughs) That classic band. Oh, that classic band, Mighty Mouse. They're here to save the day. Uh, So, yeah, Insight's exciting. It's really exciting. I watched the landing, and there's this one moment that really kind of caught me where, like, there's this old dude. I don't know what the hell he does there. He's like an older guy who works for JPL. He's not that old. He's, he's probably, I don't know, he's probably in his 60s. Um, but he's watching this telemetry data, you know, and there's no video or anything. They, they're just relying on, like, the numbers of, like, where the thing is. Mm-hmm. And you see his lip quiver just a little bit, and he's, like, trying to keep it together. And, and I'm like, 
yeah, this is huge for, I mean, people spend years engineering these things mm-hmm. and they can blow up in seven minutes. Yeah. It, I can <clears throat> imagine like if you spent a lot of time developing something, the moment when you start to receive data from it and it's working the way it's supposed to yeah. and it landed perfectly, even though it wasn't where you planned for it to land. Mm-hmm. And everything is coming together. It has to be a great moment of just like kismet. I'm just like <laughs> feeling like everything worked. And yeah. in the world of science, that is not something that usually happens. And it's something you plan for. Like, you know, you're going to have to do multiple trials. Uh-huh. But this is a very specific part of science where you don't get that many shots because no. it takes so much money and time. Yeah. To create the thing, to create the mission, to put it all in place that, like, yeah, it has to work. You put a hell one. of a lot of faith in calculations. Yeah. For one. So I I understand being emotional when, yeah. like, you're starting to get data back and being like, it's working. This thing is working. It's also like it's doing the, – the craft is doing a lot of its landing autonomously. Like, there's mm-hmm. very little human intervention – if any, once it gets that far out. So, like, the Insight had to use data from, like, two different satellites <laughs> that are, like, watching it and communicating with it and, like, know where it is in relation to Mars. It has to do all this mm-hmm. without someone telling it what to do. Yeah. Because um, it's far enough away that, like, you can't get commands to it in exactly real time. Like, there's enough of a delay that you would you would be unable to do it. Yeah, it's pretty smart. Pretty smart. <coughs> Pretty darn smart. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm really into it. I love space stuff. I know um, you do. So this is very obviously a very exciting time for yeah, what we might learn about Mars. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that bullshit. <laughs> I think I'm ready. I think it's time to play that game. I'm ready. That for one the game, game that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> that game that no one ever found out about. They don't know. All right. They will uh, secretly play it when you're not watching. You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me? It's time for truth and food. Time to play truth and food. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing a famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for truth and a Merv Griffin production. Anyway, it is time for Truth and News. Truth and News. Our news quiz game in which I present to you two uh, uh, two true stories, one two false stories, one true story. Jeez, hope I did this right. What the fuck? I can't think. Okay. <laughs> Uh, two false stories, one true story. You have to discern the true story from the false stories or the truths from the news. All right. Yeah. You ready? Yes. So I am picking the true story. Yes. Guessing which one is the reals. (laughs) For real, for reals. For real, for reals. All right. Let's go. All right. Here we go. Story number one. August Stork, the makers of Werther's Original, are experimenting with Werther's Next a youth-branded caramel to counter their old man candy reputation. (laughs) Okay. Sounds hip enough. All right. Number two, video streaming service What's On fights streaming indecision with a new concept. It's just one live stream, and whatever's on is the only thing that's on. 
All right. And number three, Burger King is unveiling the dog purr, a bone with Burger King's signature flame broiled taste. Call what's the name of that again? The dog purr. The dog purr? Yes. As in the whopper. Oh, okay. I wasn't getting the purr ending. I was very confused. You know, the dog purr. I, I got it now. <laughs> and presumably the dog purr junior. This <laughs> is for teeny tiny puppies. Just for the little, little purse dogs. All right. So those are your three. You want to hear them again? Yeah. All right. Uh, number one, August Stork, makers of Werther's Original, are experimenting with Werther's Next, a youth-branded caramel to counter their old man candy reputation. Number two. Video streaming service What's On fights streaming indecision with a new concept. It's just one live stream, and whatever is on is the only thing that's on. All right. And number three. Burger King unveils the dog purr, a bone with Burger King's signature flame-broiled taste. So I wrote down... (coughs) Number one, yeah. Werther's next, not for old men. Not for old men. It's, it's, it's like Dr. Pepper. It's not for women. Whatever that was, the, <laughs> the Dr. Pepper Dr. Ted. Pepper Ted, yeah. Dr. Pepper Ted, it's not for women. Uh, number two, idea. what's on is on. What's on is what's on. Uh, number three, dog purr smells like a whopper, tastes like dog food. Might taste like a whopper. T- I, I don't know. know. We'd have I to. Know. We'd I have know. to. We'd have to eat, taste obviously. it, and yeah. then yeah. it has to be real, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I have a decision. All right. What do you think it is? I think, and here's my reasoning. Mm-hmm. I think I know a lot of people who would actually really like this. Um. So I think number two, the streaming service called What's On. I think that's real. I think it's just a stream playing stuff, and when you can't decide on things, you just go and you just watch what's on. I busted you. I busted you because you know what? It's a good idea. Isn't it a good idea? We should invent it. We just did, I guess. It's just regular TV for people who don't have You sell it for nothing. You just have like an ad stream going to support it, and you just just have one thing on. Yeah. Because how often... Do you spend a good half an hour of possible TV watching instead flipping through all the stuff you're not going to yeah. watch? Now, are you thinking like every day, like all day <clears throat> you just play one movie and you just loop it all day? Or are you thinking like you play different shows different and different stuff. movies, but you just watch what's on? Constantly shifting lineup, but there's one thing on. At That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I like this concept. I think it's a good idea. Okay, what is the real one? The true story. Is in limited markets and only with a DoorDash, the dog purr is available to people as a treat for their dogs. We are probably not in that limited market, are we? We are probably not. It didn't say specifically in uh, the article I read. We have DoorDash in this area. Uh, But they didn't outline exactly, you know, uh, who had access to it. But they did, in fact, make a dog bone. That is supposed to I'm smell just saying, and taste like a Whopper. I'm just saying, if it comes to the area, <clears throat> I'm going to have to get my boba a little Whopper. We might a just little have Whopper to, dog purr. Might have to check the DoorDash and just uh, see, see just if it's available. Just to see. Just to see. Just no, curious. No. Yeah. My dog demands Whopper flavored treats. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, there's, I mean. That spoiled asshole. Yeah. I would totally buy that for him. I know he would. And or you th- would. You know what? This is a really genius idea. The dog purr? Yeah, because I would never consider getting Burger King delivered to my house. But if the only way to get this treat for my damn dog is yeah. to have it delivered, of course, I'm also going to get myself a little whoppy Junie. Right? Makes sense. The geniuses. If they just made that, if they made it a little bit more well known that you could get it, I think yeah. people would suddenly be ordering Burger King that otherwise wouldn't. Geniuses. Right? All right. What's that noise? Um, there's something metal on the ground, and I keep bumping it with my oh, blanket. Could it be a billion bottle caps, courtesy of the dude cast? Um, because <clears throat> it is. Yeah, that's yes, what it is. I'm yes, in you, fact, that's, that's what, it is. what it is. Um, so anyway, yep, I busted you on this one, but uh, keep an eye out for uh, what's on on the Play Store because we'll totally make it. <laughs> um, and subject ourselves to uh. You know, uh, legal action and uh, yeah, all that stuff, DMCA, pull-downs, and all the good things. Yeah. Because we're not going to do it the right way. We're not going to no. do licensing. <laughs> we're just going like, to get like videotape by TV. We're just going to let them sue our pants off. Oh, that'd be so funny if it's just like really bad, like... Basically sitting in a theater filming, like, bootleg Like a shaky handicam. Oh, that yeah. would be hilarious. All right. Uh, I would even, if the personality was right, I would even, like, watch someone else watch TV. If that We per- do that. If that person was interesting enough, I, well, do we do that? Yeah, it's called Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> if the per- but, like, the, they don't have to be, like, you know, that engaging or clever. They just have to have, like, an like a interesting enough reaction to stuff every now and then. All right. I'd watch some, like, I'd watch some guy, just like a, like a bearded, big belly sort but of guy. But you don't get to see what he's watching. You just watch him. <laughs> oh, no, you gotta, you gotta have the over the shoulder. No, I just want to watch him. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch a guy like that just watch, like, RuPaul's Drag Race for, like, a day. And then just occasionally be like, whoa. You know, and then, like, crack himself a new beer and be like, I, I just don't believe it. And then, like, you know, like, I just watch that guy. Give it one day. And that guy is going to be traipsing around his living room with his shorts <laughs> pulled up with his blanket around himself as like a cape and like just like dancing around I wish doing I, the lip sync battle. I wish I knew anything about this show so I could throw in a very specific catchphrase, but I don't. Um, okay, hunty. Is that a thing? Yes, it's honey and cunt. Combined. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> I'm going to have to keep an ear out for that. That was some snaps. Snip snap. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that does it for the news quiz. Let's move on here quickly uh, and talk. Uh, we don't have to talk long about it, but uh, for the middle segment, I wanted to talk about the fact that you and I have both been watching this show, which is not a new show. It's a, it's a couple of years old now, actually. Yeah, I'm just finally getting on the right. on the on the train. It took us a while to come around to it, but it's Leah Remini's show, uh, Scientology and the Aftermath. It's an A and E show. It is available on Hulu, and there are two whole seasons of it, with a mm-hmm. third on the way. I think. I hope so. Uh, I think I read something about them being in talks to do, or maybe already producing a third season. So, um. Also want to mention, we both had read her book. Yeah, we did. Troublemaker. Yeah, which was very, very good, and I recommend that. Yeah, we might have talked book. about it on here. I don't know if we did or not. I can't remember. If we did, it's been a while. 
Um, so after she wrote her book, when she first left Scientology, she wasn't necessarily planning on speaking out, but then just because of who she is and the way things happened, yeah, they kind of made it impossible for her not to. Yeah, I think so. So she wrote her book and then she was just going to call it at that. And then mm-hmm. because she's a public figure and because she's been outspoken, people yeah. started coming to her with their stories. Yeah, and due to the nature of the way that Scientology does people <clears throat> in, yeah. uh, it kind of takes and like, the a way big they treat event. their critics. Yeah, it takes like a really big event for people to speak out. Yeah, and then um, basically she she explains at the beginning of the show that someone who had left and her mom, who had also been in Scientology, like they took a picture of the mom holding Leah Remini's book, mm-hmm. and she was like, you know what. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but can I get a crew together and come to your house and tape us having a conversation about Scientology? I just, I feel like I need to record your stories. Yeah. And so she just kind of started doing it and then got the interest later, like got people to pay for her to do it later, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, she's Leah Remini, so she has that let me just pay for a crew for a day money. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that sweet, sweet syndication King of Queens money. Yeah. And it's follow-up, Kevin Can Wait or whatever the heck it was called. Yeah. So is she... That, that is what it's I called, think so. <laughs> but they're, what's their new show called? It's not that, right? I thought that was it. Because I think he he had a different show for a while that she wasn't on. Oh. And now she's on it. Or it's a different show. That basically they were like, "Oh, you guys had too much chemistry. You were too good together. Yeah. So we're just gonna do this again." Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what's weird about it. Is it's like, hey, let's just do the same show kind of again. Yeah. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like, how different can it be? And I, I like Leah Remini. At least in King of Queens, she wasn't acting. She's just being herself. I fully believe that's just her personality. Yeah, I think she's, she's kind of a ball a, buster. She's a real sassy dame. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I pushed the table. I wasn't being aggressive. I was just trying to. This is a power adjust. move. <laughs> yeah. Take it over this podcast now. I'm going to Leah Remini the shit out of it. <laughs> um, it's like push the whole table like four inches. Sorry. That's I was right. trying to adjust. Here, I'll right. push it back. Mm. I got it. Okay. Um, I'm so strong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> What is happening? I don't know. All right. I'm tired. I got like three hours of sleep. True. And then I drank an energy drink at work. So let me say a thing about Scientology real quick. Uh-huh. uh-huh. We have talked about it a little bit on the show. It has been mentioned in other episodes before. Many episodes. Um, little tidbits. Oftentimes when we talk about cults, it's almost impossible <laughs> to ignore Scientology because Scientology mm-hmm. is pretty famously one, just one of the... The big baddies right now, at least, in mm-hmm. America, They're of cults. really good at <clears throat> doing the things you need to do to get people to buy into it. Yeah. Like, they are the perfect example of, like, how to manipulate someone and brainwash them into believing some really absurd things. Yeah. I mean, they use techniques that are not unique or new to them, but they mm-hmm. use them really, really well. And they, they run, like, they, they basically, they've... Uh, They've sort of like franchised and uh, and uh, an assembly lined and streamlined like the the process of a bigger and bigger asks, you mm. know, and like just getting people, getting people to say yes to more and more and more until it's too late. 
It starts with identifying people's weaknesses, yeah. not even actually things that are, doesn't even actually have to be their real weakness, just something that they think is a problem for them. Yeah. Um, and then love bombing the shit out of them mm-hmm. and going, you know, you're awesome. You're really great. You have these issues, but like we have the tools to fix that and we love you and like you're part of our family now. So we're, we're going to figure that out. Just like yeah. pay for this course and we'll start the progress. Like you're going to be so much better. And these are all the great things that we're doing as a group and you'll be a part of that. Yeah. And blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, you're in it and you can't. See a way out of it. There's one really, really interesting episode, which you might have already seen, where they get basically one of the sales guys in to talk about we would prototype. He says we would prototype like your buyer persona before you even meet a salesperson. I don't think I've seen that episode. <clears throat> it's very interesting. all of it. Because they say like, okay, well, you know, based on information they have gathered, it's like, oh, if we determine that you're like, he's you know, he's saying we determine that you are the kind of person who feels vulnerable and you're here because you feel vulnerable mm-hmm. and, 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 and you're a woman, then maybe we'd have like a strong man sales associate be the one that talks to you. You know, like we'd like Ugh. try to – or if you're, if you're the kind of buyer that only buys when they feel like – they're getting a bargain, mm-hmm. then we'd artificially inflate all these prices, but show you how you were getting the discount. Mm-hmm. Like they had a strategy <laughs> for everything before they even meet a person because they've already gathered enough information on them. I also remember them talking to an auditor, which um, mm-hmm. in Scientology, they have something called an e-meter. It's kind of like a lie detector test. And this is how they basically um, – it's kind of like therapy – like a form of therapy where you but hold like evil therapy you you hold these cans and um <laughs> not those cans <laughs> um these cans aren't lie detectors i'll tell you that i'm sorry you said hold these cans, <laughs> hold and, these I, cans. And, and i went blank <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so you hold on to the e-meter and the cans yeah and you're getting asked questions and you're answering them. The person asking the questions is the auditor. And based on what the e-meter says your reactions are, um, they'll ask you more questions about that. And basically they want to get you to the point where the needle floats, where you don't have a reaction yeah. to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and now, to me, this always just felt like you're just trying to get people to not feel emotions, yeah. which is weird and why do we think that that's good but yeah, anyway to have no emotional state is not necessarily it's, the it's healthiest state it's a whole part of the cult thing yeah. though right. um to make you question your emotions and their validity and your thoughts and feelings and anytime there's a problem it's pointed back at you as being the cause of it you pulled it in it's one of the many things that cults do yeah but um where was i going with that Something about auditing, but they I had an auditor why. on. Oh, the, so he was one of the big auditors. Yeah, oh, in I the church before he left, and um, he was talking about some of the tactics they would use to Didn't like sell through? courses, and how like sometimes they would pull him up. Like if someone was trying to sell someone a course, 
they would be like, hey, like, come talk to this person and tell them how this specific course is really going to help them. Mm -hmm. And the person would be like, essentially, this is like a therapist. Like, this is a person I really trust. Yeah, they're led to feel like he's objective. He wouldn't lie to me. Yeah, he wouldn't. He's objective about this, but he's like, no, I'm not. I'm trying to sell you the course too. Yeah. Like that's a part of the job. Everyone's a salesperson in Scientology. Yeah. And then there was also a scene in that, I think, same episode where they showed like people being trained to sell the courses and being told like people are going to say they don't have the money, but they have the money. Mm -hmm. So these are the tactics you're going to do to... Find the money. Yeah. And there's a guy, last name Ebner, I think was on the same episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually went undercover in Scientology and sat there while they coached him while on the phone with his credit card company. Yeah. And the things they were telling him to say got him a higher cap. Yeah, like they raised his credit limit. $10,000. So that he could buy Scientology shit. Yeah, which he, at that point, was like, I need to think about it. And he he didn't do it. But he was like, holy shit. (coughs) Like, they're good at it. Yeah. This is what they do. Um, So many interesting episodes of the show. The basic premise is it's an interview show. Mm -hmm. Um, Finding people who left. A lot of it is people who left, it, especially the first season is mostly people who left. Second season, too. Quite a bit of it. Yes, but also a combination of people who left and people who've been targeted by Scientology because mm-hmm. they were um, investigating Scientology. Right. And which that's how I learned about Scientology. I was like kind of a searcher. And so I just was like, I don't know really anything about Scientology. I wonder what that's about. So I Googled it Mm -hmm. and oh, what I found. And a lot of the stuff, the videos I watched and and things I found were from people like Mark Bunker Mm -hmm. and um, some former Scientologists like Tori Magoo. Yeah, right. Um, That's not her real name, but that was her name on YouTube. And she had a really great YouTube channel about her experiences. Um, And... uh, God, last name, I think his name is Steve Hassan. He's a cult deprogrammer mm-hmm. um, yeah, who's worked with Scientologists. Yeah. I've talked about him before on here because yeah. I think he's an amazing person. He was in the Moonies. Yeah. Um, before, he's fantastic. And he's like just a sweet guy, too. He's very sweet. And he is on an episode of this show and basically breaks down crying. Yeah. Because he As was like. everybody does on the show because right. it's so devastating. Yeah. And he told. Um, Rinder, yeah, who is a former Scientologist who basically was like an enforcer of the policies that basically say that it's called fair game, but basically it means if there's a critic <laughs> of Scientology, they are an enemy and you can do anything to crush them and you should crush them. Yeah, like destroy their lives, like not even crush their story, not even fight their story, get them arrested, get them fired, or get, get them, them to, to kill, kill themselves. themselves. Mm-hmm. They're, I don't want to talk too, too much about the show or too specific because I think that people should see some of this for themselves. Um, it's horrifying and yeah. it's a little – on the outset, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. Some of the things that they say, this mm-hmm. organization that claims it is a church and yeah. is tax exempt. Yeah, um, like the most baffling part of all of it is that. They keep operating without paying taxes. If 
there weren't so many people saying the same things. And if there wasn't really good evidence, it would sound really paranoid. Mm -hmm. But that's what cults do. That's what cults are. It sounds crazy until you realize it's real. Yeah. Um, it's my worst nightmare. I think a lot of people underestimate the power of just lying harder and harder with more and more confidence. I don't think people yeah. realize exactly how and, much you can get away with if you just lie with a straight face. And, and that's people, what they do. People underestimate the power and the influence of someone who is a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen cult leaders. A lot of times they are sociopaths, psychopaths, narcissists. Uh-huh. But – we don't always see it quite the way, like for as long a span of time as we have with Scientology. Mm-hmm. And L. Ron Hubbard was a narcissist for sure. the yeah. The way he responds, the way he wrote his policies, the policies he wrote, the way he says to handle things, yeah, is exactly how someone who's a narcissist would handle someone criticizing yeah. them. If you just take him at his own words and instructions. He's a narcissist. I've I've been on the receiving end of that treatment. Yeah. From a narcissist and it sucks. <laughs> it's not good. And now if you can imagine someone instructing a group of people to do this on a pretty large scale, it's crazy. Yeah. Now, I want to I want to wrap up on this and move on to the main segment here after our break, but I want to say one more thing. All right. This is my This is my Oprah's The Secret moment, right? Or whatever. Like, this is, I'm putting it out into the universe, right? This is me putting it out there and hoping it finds its way to me. Okay. I want an (laughs) e-meter. Okay. I want one pretty badly because I was reading about them and there's uh, apparently, like, they're really well engineered inside even though they don't really do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they're kind of stupid. Um, they're actually very carefully put together and there's a guy that took one apart and was looking at all the components and things. It's like a well-engineered device that does nothing useful, right? hmm And Scientologists are not allowed to sell them. <coughs> and buying a new one is like 5000 bucks, But people do auction them. hmm So I'm putting it out there. Someday I may go out and just try to get one. But I wanted e-meter. I'm going to tell you it's possible yes. because Ono, Ross, and Carrie has at least one. Yeah. They have one, and I think they borrowed one from someone else. <clears throat> or maybe they have multiple. Yeah. Um, I know someone gave them one. Right. We do not have the reach that they have. <laughs> but know. if somehow someone has one and you want to slip it our way. This is this is me saying, uh, throwing it out into the internet, uh, let's talk I will buy an e-meter off of you for Let's what we get agree Dave is a fair price. An e-meter. <laughs> no, I would be interested in that too, actually. I've thought about that a bit. Just because I feel like this podcast studio really deserves to have one in it. And uh I don't know. What if we recorded every episode on the cans? Yeah. What do you mean, what do you mean like one of holding us holding the, the cans? We could do we could do it a personalized audit as an episode. How weird would that be? We could get the material. So anyways, that's uh, we, uh we, I think it's safe to say we both recommend watch that show. It's really good. It's hard um, to watch. It's it's sad. It is very sad. It's not unlike the the podcast Surviving Scientology. It does mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um just it's not by the same people. 
And one more thing I wanted to mention, which was a direct result of the show Inside, not Inside Scientology, um, Scientology in the Aftermath. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, There's so many things, I get them all confused. But there is now an organization called the Aftermath Foundation. It's founded by Mark Rinder and maybe Leah Remini, maybe some other people. Did they talk about this on the show yet? I'm not sure if I did or not. I might have. I don't, I don't remember hearing about this. I told you about it because it was, you know, on Facebook, you could set up a birthday fundraiser. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was the fundraiser I asked people to donate to. That's right. But it is a um, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people who leave Scientology. Because mm-hmm. often when people leave, they don't have an education. They don't have work experience outside of Scientology. They don't have savings because all their money went to the church if they were no getting paid at much. No support system. Um, if they are leaving, and a lot of times they're leaving not on great terms because they that's the only way you can get out sometimes. You get disconnected from your family. They're not allowed to talk to you if they remain in the church. So you don't know anyone. Um, so this is a really great organization set up to help them with those hurdles, get them on their feet, help them find jobs and places to stay and support uh, yeah. Which I just think is super important, and it's great that I know they've mentioned it on the show multiple times. They just get frustrated that, sure, they're exposing Scientology, but they they feel like there should be more that they can do. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the things they decided they could do yeah. um, to help people that are leaving. So I think that's really awesome, and I'm a supporter of them. Yeah. And you should be, too, if it's something you care about. So Right. Which, if you listen to the show... Might there's a, be. There's a chance you care about that kind That's of thing. That's the Aftermath Foundation. Do you want to take <clears throat> yes. a little tiny break? Let's take a break. Uh, and when we All come right. back, we'll come back with the main segment for this episode. All right. All right. Stick around. Dead Do you want to introduce the episode? Do you, you do it. Do you remember what you assigned me? <laughs> I do. Okay. Uh, but you do it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I also figured, like, this one, you could have... There's a... There's, there's a lot. Right, exactly. It's a so dense episode. I figured you should introduce it because you know which directions you took this in. All of the directions. Every direction. Every All of the every directions. Because today... We are discussing a very dense topic, mm-hmm. numerology. And dense it is. Yes. Numerology is the branch of knowledge that deals with the occult significance of numbers. This includes things like your birth date and that number's influence on your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the significance of the numerical value of the letters in words, names, 
and ideas. Right. It's associated with the paranormal alongside astrology and similar divinatory arts. Yeah. The, um, you can really fall in on numbers. Uh, I've yes. Known, I've known a lot of people to become obsessed with particular numbers. I used to know people who played the lottery, and if they happened to notice a certain number popping up every now and then, yeah. they like would be sure to play that number, but also they had a whole rotating system of what numbers they would play. Yeah. Whether it's something like that, in the if you put a significance on that, um, or you play certain number numbers because of their meanings, yeah, um, and the numerology of them, that's a thing. Like, there's so many ways to apply this mm-hmm. and to discuss it. Yeah. So I I'm think gonna so. dive in. I used a lot of Wikipedia, but I use a couple other sites that I'll, I'll mention as they come up. But okay. Numerology is vast, and there are several systems. Yes. That's how I started with this. Um. One system is alphabetic systems. Basically, they assign a numerical value to letters of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. One of the most straightforward ones is um, the Latin system. That's our alphabet. Um, you have the numbers one through nine, and then you assign each letter a number based on that. So basically, you hit nine, and then you cycle back through. Is it, so like okay. A is the number one Um I is the number nine, and then J is the number one, because it starts back at one. Is zero in the mix? No, it's one through nine. Weird. So, um, once you do that, you say you have a word, you assign each letter of the word its corresponding number, and then you add them together until there is, you keep adding until it's a single digit. Yeah. Um. Between one and nine, and then you can look at the meaning of that number. Um, there are also, I I use Wiki for this. There are different methods of interpretation. There's a Chaldean method, Pythagorean method, Hebraic method, oh Helen God. Hitchcock's method, phonetic, <laughs> Japanese, Arabic, and Indian. There's, it's like a lot. Wow. And then it was like, the way I just described how to get to this number Mm-hmm. associated with a word, I think it's the simplest way. But then they're like, there are simpler mathematical ways to do this. And it went into it. And I was like, whoa, boy, that's <laughs> over my head. All right. So if you like math and numbers and also you like to believe in things that aren't necessarily true. Mm. I those don't necessarily go hand in hand. Okay. <laughs> but if you like that, you will love numerology. It sounds like what you're hitting on here is something that I kind of like. One thing I'm familiar with about numerology is that there's like it becomes confusing and, and uh, elaborate because of the like the sort of like fundamental mismatch nature of trying to assign numbers to alphabetical characters or numbers to... Like adding numbers up, I, the you know. I think the what makes it super confusing is the fact that there's so many ways to interpret it. Yeah, and it's just like horoscopes and astrology. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's it. I I think the methods behind like how you do it, because there's so many different ways to interpret means there's also so many different ways to get there. Yeah. And then the methods were just, some of them were mathematical and it's just like it looking at it on 
Wikipedia just like wasn't sinking in and it was really complex. And I'm like, this is way too much. Then it's more than what I could figure out and discuss on the episode. But just know they exist and you can look at them if you want to. Well, it's interesting because it's kind of it's an, an interpretive exercise. Yeah. Based on trying to essentially, yeah, read tea leaves out of like right. in- information. It's, it's an interesting been- like subsect of like people who really like numbers and math and maybe you're like a little more logical, but also like want to interpret things from it, like want to understand things about themselves. Yeah. Based on that, it's it's kind of unique. It's trying to take one kind of information and like weirdly transcribe it over a different set yeah. of available, you know, like signifiers for information, right? Yeah. Again, it's not different from it's not that different from like a horoscope where it takes the month you were born. Yeah. And and gives you a personality based on that. Sure. Um, it's like two things that have nothing to do with each other, presumably, and you're like, all right, mm-hmm. this is who I am. Yeah. Um, but David, do you want to know your name's number? Sure. So D is the number four. A is one. V is four. I is nine. And D is four. So you add those together, you get 22. Mm-hmm. But I don't have an, a description for 22. So I'm going to add the two and the two. And then I got four. Okay. So my number is four. You're four. So we're using that method. You're four. Okay. Um, We'll discuss what that means in a little bit because there, like I said, there's a bunch of ways to interpret this. So I want to talk about all that before we like go into interpretations. Okay. Um, mine is K is two, R is nine, I is nine, S is one, T is two, and Y is seven, which is 30. Three plus zero equals three. Okay. So I'm three and you're four. Interesting. Um, now the assumption is that you can determine something based on this yes that each number has a meaning or traits or characteristics just like each month each horoscope or zodiac sign has different traits associated with it so do the numbers now right on the outset one thing that we can observe that is interesting and kind of silly is that i go by dave or david and i bet Mm -hmm. i would get totally different numbers if i was to run those both through so yeah adding to the interpretive nature of this People often go by, you know, shortened names. So, like, how can we, how can mm-hmm. we reconcile that mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. the interpretive nature? I of also this? considered doing like our full names, and like I decided just to keep it kind of simple. But right. that's again, so many ways to interpret it. Yeah, so many ways that it can be kind of altered. Yeah. So there we are. We'll get back to what they mean. Um, another alphabetic method is the Abjad method. This is where each letter of the Arabic alphabet has numerical value. Um, I don't know Arabic, so I didn't really write that down. That's all right. Um, there's also uh, Chinese. I want to talk about Chinese numerology, which is another system altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, even numbers are generally considered lucky because they believe that good luck comes in pairs. Okay. Um, in traditional Chinese medicine and associated fields like acupuncture, uh, they base the system on mystical numerical associations, like the 12 vessels circulating blood and air are based on the 12 rivers flowing toward the central kingdom. 
And the 365 parts of the body um, is one for each day of the year. That's the basis of locating acupuncture points. So they kind of have this like an interpretive system of like, yeah. we're going to say there's 365 parts of the body because <laughs> each gonna, one's going to represent a day of the year. I was going to say like my, my eyes could have perked up because it's like, <laughs> I think there's more bones than that, right? Yeah, but you're not going to stick a needle in a bone. It's like regions of the body kind of oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, and so let's talk about some Chinese numerology definitions. Okay. The number one is sure. The number two is easy. The number three is live or a halved eight, which is unlucky if you think of it as a, if you're looking at the number oh. three in like the way we write it. Yeah. Um, the number four is unlucky. It's a homophone for death or suffering. But in Shanghainese, it's a homophone for water, uh, which is lucky because water is associated with money. Again, this is depending <laughs> on what system, what language you're talking about. Yeah. Um, number five is the self, me, my, nothing or never. In Shanghainese, it's a homophone for fish. <laughs> I don't right. know what that means. Oh, boy. Number six is easy and smooth or all the way. Number right. seven is a slang or a vulgar word in can- Cantonese. Number eight Wait, is... Wait, do we know what vulgar word? No, um, there was a link on Wikipedia. Okay. I forget what it was. I did follow it just to see. I forget what it was, though. Okay. Um, number eight is sudden fortune or prosperity. Number nine is long in time or enough. That's also a slang or vulgar word derived from the word dog in Cantonese. Everything is vulgar in Cantonese (laughs) is what I've learned. (laughs) All right. Some particularly lucky numbers in Chinese numerology are 99, which means like doubly long or eternal. Also, 168, it didn't mention why it was lucky, just that it is a lucky number. And there are a lot of phone numbers that start with 168. In okay. China. Interesting. Um, also, 888. So if we remember, 8 is prosperity. Yeah. So basically, 888 means wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. Okay. So it's very lucky. Um, now, in the, I'm going to skip a little bit to the Indian numerology system, which is really similar to that Latin system I talked about, mm-hmm. except... The numbers don't go to nine, they go to eight. So you apply them to the alphabet in using the same kind of idea, but it doesn't go to nine. And anything not base ten freaks me out. Is that is that <laughs> are you the same way with this? Um I think it's pr- a primal. It's like it, I have yeah. ten fingers and I just can't comprehend counting to eights. Well, a lot of things in our yeah. life are base ten, so it is a little weird. Um so you you do this the same way. So using this system, your number is seven, which is a slang or a vulgar word in Cantonese. Congratulations. <laughs> Wait, really? That was what I said oh, seven was. Seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and my <laughs> number is four. So, so, you, so you take on my number in the, in the yeah, Indian so version of this. Let's use some of these interpretations now. Okay. <laughs> This is fun already. Right? I thought it was really fun. This is like weird number tarot. To look at what 
these numbers mean. So your sure. first number using the Latin system was four. Mm-hmm. So the traits associated with the number four, according to this chart, is dependable, detail-oriented, predictable, practical, manager, problem solver, trustworthy, and worrisome. Hmm. Uh, the All number right. three was mine which is creative, communicator, energetic, inventive, bouncy, artistic, broad-minded, imaginative, and scattered. Okay. Um, it seems like there's a lot of different words. I mean, a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, they really do. Um, it's a lot I, of traits. So I also had the number four using the Indian numerology method. So mm-hmm. that was the dependable, detail-oriented, predictable, practical manager, problem solver, trustworthy, and worrisome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had the number seven, which is perfectionist, pious, careful, tolerant, thorough, introvert, spiritual, studious, diligent, obsessive. Hmm. Um, and then using the Chinese definitions, the number four is unlucky. So you and I both have that depending on which interpretation method we use. Um, um, because it's a homophone for death or suffering. But if we were speaking Shanghainese, <laughs> it could be lucky because of water being associated with money because yeah. it's a homophone for water. Or it means a dog's anus in Cantonese, I think. Um, that is number nine, which neither of us had. <laughs> but number seven is that vulgar word in Cantonese. So that's one of yours. So good job. <laughs> so what you're telling me is... Everything's vulgar in Cantonese. Yeah, every, yeah sure. Gotcha. That's that's where we're landing Everything's on this. Everything's a curse word in Cantonese. Yes. All right. So that was names. Yeah, that's an interesting exercise. Yeah, I like that. It's fun. Um, it's the same reason I like tarot cards, though. Yeah, right. Well, it's like I tried doing the thing in my head where it was like, okay, I'm listening to yours and mine. And can I interpret them both for me? Like, of like course. exactly how universal yes, they are. Of they? course. And the answer is, yeah. Like, I mean, I think only the only one of mine that really didn't resonate for me was all that business about being spiritual and you know, all yeah, that, you know, but, all that gobbledygook. Yeah, that was the only, <laughs> that was the only thing where I'm like, nah, I don't see it. But I think a lot of people who are maybe less atheist and skeptical mm-hmm. than us, which is do most resonate people, with with that because a lot of people, even if they're not religious, they yeah. would say in some ways they're spiritual. Yeah. It's so a it's like a popular good bet. Trait. Yeah. 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 Um, so the next thing I want to talk about okay. is our life path number. Life path number, huh? Which is a fancy way of saying you take your full birth date and you add it all together. Okay. And that's your life path number. And it can di- direct your life. And and tell you what to expect and the kind of person that you are. Now, this is one that wouldn't vary by alphabet because you're dealing strictly with numbers. With numbers. So um, mine is 1102-1987. Uh-huh. So that means my number, that is 29. So mm-hmm. then I add the two and the nine together and I get 11, which I might just keep it at 11. Or if I keep adding, it's two. Okay. Now, in this system that I found, which is from Gaia.com, G-A-I-A. Okay. Shout out to com, Gaia. Um, they mentioned a couple master numbers. 11 was one of them and 22 was one of them. Okay. So if I stopped adding, I could just keep it at 11 and that's one of the master numbers. Okay. Or if I kept it going, I get two. 
Sure. So I'm going to talk about what both of those mean. Um, I don't know if you want me to say your full birth date or not. Oh, but yeah, sure. I don't care. Give my social is, too. <laughs> and I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, do we want to say birthdays? It's just like one more piece it's, of information they don't have to work hard for. It's on Facebook. If anyways. someone wants my identity, they can um, have it. January. <laughs> just take it. Please. Um, January 19th, 1987. And when you boil that down, you get the number nine. Oh, okay. Number nine. So they have... Um, information about like what each of these numbers means. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then eleven and twenty-two. Okay. Um, I was just really going to talk about the ones that apply to us, but if there's any that you, I'll just say like what the base description is of the other ones, and if you want to know more, I could read more. Okay. One is the father, two is the mother, and that's one of my numbers, so I'll talk about that in more detail in a minute. Mm -hmm. Three is the talented child, four is the organizer, five is free spirit, six is caregiver, seven's philosopher, eight is the professional, nine is the humanitarian, which is yours, Hmm. eleven is the energetic visionary, which is also mine. And 22 is the master builder. Okay. So, uh, number two, which is one of mine, is the mother. It's a feminine number. Um, It is a number of power and strength, but it's often underestimated. Uh, It belongs to artists. It's gentle, understanding, diplomatic, a natural-born peacekeeper, ultimate survivor, resilient, also represents servitude and strength. Okay. Interesting. Um, now, number 11, the energetic visionary, one of these master numbers. Yeah. Is um the master numbers. You're Sounds special. Right. You're the most intuitive. Uh, you have an innate understanding of others, similar to twos, but more amplified. Uh, dedicated, loyal, likely to marry young. <laughs> That didn't work out. (laughs) Um, And you form deep relationships easily. There are parts of that I'd say resonate, and there are parts of that I'd say don't. Obviously, I didn't marry young, and I don't feel like I form deep relationships easily. I feel like... Really? Yeah. I I feel like I make acquaintances really easy. Okay. But forming really deep relationships, it takes me lot longer okay yeah Um, i I, I guess i can see that takes but i would say like i I am dedicated and loyal um Mm -hmm. i would consider myself intuitive but not in necessarily like the spiritual kind of woo kind of way but more in like a you just you read i'm I'm good at reading people kind of way i think that's accurate about you um i think it comes from being a person who has been taken advantage of because they <laughs> tend to be nice. Yeah, and you learn to read people quickly when you get sick of being taken advantage yeah, of. Both of us have been suckers enough times to be right. like, uh-uh, no way. You either learn or you just keep getting stepped on your whole life. So. Right, probably half the reason that we're kind of skeptical people yeah. to, this, to this point uh-huh. in our lives, right? Yeah, it, it sucks to feel like you don't trust people. Yeah. But also it's necessary to like be good to yourself and protect yourself. In the immortal words of the who... We won't get fooled again. 
yeah. yeah. And then I flip my sunglasses down. <laughs> I, wish we, um, I wish we could just put music in this podcast because that'd be a great time to just drop that in. So uh, let's consider those descriptions and go back to let's apply them to what our numbers were for our names. Okay. So your first name number was number four, yeah, which would mean you're the organizer, or number seven, which would mean um, you're the philosopher. Okay. Um, mine was number three or number four, so I'd be the organizer or the talented child. <laughs> so it's like depending on like w- what description are you using of the number, where are they getting the information for where these traits come from? Yeah. Anything, and they're all so vague. And yeah. like we said, there's going to be a couple hits and a couple things that don't with every single one. It's kind of like cold reading. Yes. You just kind of throw some general info out there and see what hits. And you remember the hits more than you remember the misses. I guess the one thing I'm curious about is, like, who is the arbiter of what these numbers mean? Like, how does anyone arrive at, well, this is what a four means? I think there's so many reasons that <clears throat> people just so smoke a bunch ways. of hash and write things down. I don't know exactly where the different ideas of what each number means comes from. Yeah. Like, for example, the ones from Gaia.com for the number two, which is the mother. Mm-hmm. I said it stands for servitude and strength. All right. One of the reasons that they say it stands for servitude is the what the digit two looks like. Is that it kind of looks like a person on their knees. Oh, so wow. Okay. It could be something as graphic as just like, what does it look like? Yeah, like what does it visually represent? Wow. So that that's kind of an insight into that. So yeah, I I think this stuff is fun. Let's let's do let's do one as a fun exercise. Let's just okay. go with four. What does four mean to us? Um, my what? first thought is like someone raising their arms. Like, <clears throat> okay. So my, I kind of want to be like in frustration, but um, <laughs> like, if I were doing this earnestly, I would say like raising their arms like in praise, like open up to a higher power. Uh-huh. That makes sense. I could see it as a cup. I could yeah. see is it a, as a cup. And so maybe like a four is like a, a like a wine chalice. Okay. And so it means some kind of like like luxury or uh or like um you're open to being fulfilled or like you're open to mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Open minded. That's see, uh, it's so easy to do. It's, that's it's the thing. so easy to do. That's why I wanted to do this. Is yes. be like, okay, if we just decided that we're numerology geniuses now, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well three. Three is like a sideways booty. <laughs> it represents roller derby. It re- it represents it represents booties of the world. Yeah. Um and the various booty like qualities of our universe. Booty 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 booty. <laughs> um you this could is, just do this. Yeah. And this obviously is the people do. Same reason I like I said I love tarot cards. I have several decks mm-hmm. and I'm not spiritual. I don't right. really believe in it, but it's so fun. Mm-hmm. And it's also like Every deck I've ever had, when you read the book that comes with it, they're like, a lot of them encourage you to look at the pictures, especially if it's like a fancy deck that's not traditional. Yeah. To look at the pictures and don't necessarily 
follow the book and what the description of the card says literally. Yeah. You can go based off of what the card looks like to you, what it feels like to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you're just like making it all up, man. <laughs> I love it. It's like as someone who always enjoyed like writing and creative stuff like that, it's mm-hmm. a super fun game. Yeah, it is. What I, what I like about that, too, is that it opens people up to because of the nature of like a tarot reading mm-hmm. where people even people who don't believe that kind of thing mm-hmm. are still going like okay well let's just see how much this just matches up with what I'm already coming into here thinking about yeah and I also I like to um <clears throat> I like to practice my cold reading techniques sometimes yeah sure <laughs> yeah, in um, case you ever need to start a cult in the future you just need to know that you can do it I just think it's it's a fun thing to do because mm-hmm. if you ever need to like, oh, if someone's like, whoa, so-and-so is psychic, you could be like, yeah, buddy, watch this. <laughs> Anyone can do this. It's a parlor trick, which are yeah. entertaining by nature. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Okay. We're not done yet, but we're just switching it up because right. you wanted to know specifically about the number 13. Right. Uh, number 13 was, uh, was on the list as, as part of the entry. Uh, you know, it's like a a (laughs) universally spooky number, isn't it? Or at least it applies to our culture. Well, I'll talk all about that. Okay. Um, so according to spiritualunite.com, or I don't know if you would pronounce it unity, but it's spelled U-N-I-T-E. Okay. Um, the numerological meaning of the number 13 is pragmatism. Um, can be creative, but it's more um, important to them to be practical, determined, and persistent. And people who identify with the number thirteen are realists. Okay, we we're, we're 13s. We could be thirteens. Sure. Um, <laughs> I do have the number thirteen on tattooed on my body. True, but that was for Friday the Thirteenth. Um, there are many folkloric aspects to this number in many cultures. Mm-hmm. And one theory is due to like lunar solar calendars. There are 12.41 lunations per solar year. So there would be 12 true months and then a smaller 13th month. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Now let's talk about the number 13 in mathematics. Some of this goes over my head. <clears throat> I'm going to do my best to explain the things I understand, but I'm putting it out there because I, I think we have some listeners who are into math and will enjoy this and will know what I'm talking about better than I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, someone someone out there must understand this math better than we do. So the number 13 is the sixth prime number. Mm-hmm. It is the smallest emerp, which is prime backwards, <laughs> um, which is a prime that is a different prime number when the digits are reversed. So 13 oh. is a prime and 31 is also a prime. Oh, that's fun. I never heard the word emer. Yeah, I thought that was really cute. When I realized what it was, I was like, oh. That's great. <laughs> um, it's one of only three known Wilson primes. I did look up what that meant, but I forget now. Um, <laughs> it's a Fibonacci number. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a happy number. A happy Wait, number. I was going to say, hold on. I'm explaining. <laughs> um, it's, when I saw these, I some of them I was like, okay, <laughs> is it, do you just like it? Is that why you're calling it happy? And then realize it was actually a mathematical thing. Okay. Um, if you replace a number by the sum of, it, sum of squares of its digits in base 10 and then repeat until the number equals one or loops endlessly, 
If it ends in one, it's a happy number. So I don't really get it, but it's a happy number. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's over my head. I'll be honest. Um, it is the third centered square number. Don't know what that means. It's a lucky number, which means it is equal to the sum of squares of the digits of its own square in bases four and 83. That's over my head, but it's a lucky number. <laughs> yeah, I think I can vaguely understand what that means, but I don't really get the right. significance. Right. Like you square ADD. some stuff, you add some stuff, it's equal to some things. Like, Good, great, what fantastic. I'm, what I'm really curious about is what is the significance of base 4 and base 83 of, of all weird So numbers. a lot of these things, I basically chucked it up to this is math people having fun mathing. Yeah, right. And they're like, oh, these two things are the same thing. Oh, this is a pattern that's some numbers have we're gonna call them lucky numbers i see yeah there are 13 archimedean solids i don't know what those are but that's a thing okay um a standard torus can be sliced into 13 pieces using uh three plane cuts sorry i'm like trying to see dog. my notes the dog is dog, headbutting go. me and my mic is in the way a lot of <laughs> troubles right now yeah. Um, there, oh, this is my favorite. There are 13 different ways for the three fastest horses in a horse race to finish, allowing for ties. So these were all just like things that are mathematical and include the number 13. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking like, about right. it. I'm like, oh. And 13 possible ways okay, for so that to work two out. Two tie, the other two tie, and then all three tie, and then one wins and the other. Yeah, I get, okay, I kind of yeah. get, yeah. So, right. <laughs> switch gears again. Still talking about the number 13? Yeah. Let's talk about how it relates to some religions. Okay. What you got? In Islam, in uh, Shia Islam, the number 13 signifies the 13th day of the month of Rajab, which is the lunar calendar. Um, and that's the birth of Imam Ali. It also represents one prophet plus 12 imams. Um, okay. Which is similar to in Christianity, um, yeah. ap 12 apostles and Jesus. Obviously, in um, Islam, they don't think of Jesus as uh, he's not the son of God, he is maybe a prophet. He's not their yeah. prophet. Yeah, they're kind of like uh, they're kind of like hand waving on him. They're like, I don't know. They're like, yeah, yeah, he was there. He was a prophet. He is not the prophet. <laughs> right. Um. Seems like there were a lot of prophets floating around. <laughs> yeah. In Roman Catholicism, apparently at some point someone had experienced apparitions of the Virgin of Fatima. It was in 1917. And they supposedly occurred on the thirteenth day of six consecutive 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 six consecutive months. <laughs> wow, that's pretty interesting. Douglas. <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> also, Saint Anthony of Padua, Padua, his feast day was June thirteenth, and one of the ways that they celebrate is um, like it's called the thirteen Tuesdays of Saint Anthony. Okay. So he's represented represented <laughs> by the number 13. Interesting. Uh, in Judaism, the age 13 is the age at which a boy becomes mature. That's when he has his bar mitzvah. Mm -hmm. Also, um, 
the number of principles of Jewish, 13 is the number of principles of Jewish faith according to Maimonides. And according to rabbinic commentary on the Torah, God has 13 attributes of mercy. Don't huh. know what those things mean specifically, but it's the number 13 there's, in Judaism. There is this interesting thing of like, like especially like, uh, okay, so like numerology is closely associated with religion a lot of the time. I think a lot of these like old mystic types mm-hmm. were like very interested in numerology and significance of numbers. And in fact, I remember hearing that uh, like Pythagoras is like uh, contemporaries the people that were like interested in Pythagoras and math were like a math cult. Like it was yeah. actually pretty legit. Well, I said one of the one of the ways of interpretation at the beginning was like the Pythagorean method. Yeah. There's he was real into like people were real into numbers in a weird way. Yeah. And there's like all this like stuff like sacred geometry and things mm-hmm. where like all the old mystic types were That's a topic. They're fascinated on with our it. list. Yeah, that's right. It is. Um, yeah. There's a lot of overlap between religion and math. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's overlap between a lot of things you wouldn't expect. <laughs> right. Um, so in Zoroastrianism, mm-hmm. the number 13 is considered sinister. This is the first one I was able to find like, oh, they think it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, because the 13th day of each new Iranian year is called Sizda Bedar. Um, and they consider it a day when evil's power might cause difficulties. Um, I don't know why they specifically believe that, but it's part of their beliefs that um, you're open up to some potential problems on that day. So Uh. what people do is they leave more urban areas on the 13th day of the year and they go out to less populated, more country areas. They basically camp out for the day, try to avoid issues really? by avoiding people which sounds fantastic let's do it every day that should be like the 13th day <laughs> of every single month yes let's just say it's all 13s and do it every day <laughs> um so my next heading was unlucky yeah so first let's talk about the word uh triskaidekaphobia which is the fear of the number 13 that's i i did not know there was a name for that yes but there's a name um, for everything isn't there Yes. Um, And there are obviously people who avoid the number 13. They're superstitious about it. Uh Um, So much so that we've all we've all seen instances where like hotels and other tall buildings skip the 13th floor. Yeah. I think I might have mentioned it on the podcast before where I was ranting and saying just because you skip it doesn't mean it's not there. And we (laughs) all know that the 14th floor is the 13th floor. Yeah. That was an old Mitch Hedberg joke. Yes. People on the 14th floor know what floor they're really on. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But and and Friday the 13th is considered an unlucky day. Mm -hmm. So why? There's a lot of theories. Um, none are necessarily completely satisfying or really do a good job of completely explaining it. But here's some of them. Um, the Last Supper, there were 13 people. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I mention? Oh, I didn't mention it. It's considered unlucky to have 13 guests at a table. Oh, really? So the Last Supper, there were 13 guests at a table. <laughs> I think that could be a direct correlation there yeah. of why it could be unlucky to have 13 at a table. Sure. Um, 
clearly didn't end so well for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It was bad luck for Jesus. But here's my thing. It wasn't <laughs> it it wasn't because there were thirteen people at a table together. Right. Or it was the number thirteen. It was because God said it had to happen. Like yeah. but also if you think about it, I guess, and do a little bit of mental gymnastics, if Judas wasn't there, mm -hmm. there would have only been 12 at the table, and then that would have been good luck because it wouldn't have brought about the turn of events that also, did. Also because Judas isn't around. <laughs> yeah, and that guy, just a dick. Horrible yeah. to eat with. He always uses his hands. <laughs> you know, I feel... It's an I, animal. I have endless sympathy for Judas. Yeah. Poor, poor guy got poor guy got railroaded into a you know he it had he had to do it. I mean, I would have betrayed him too. <laughs> well, forty pieces of silver was quite a bit, I think. Yeah, so, you know. Um, the Knights Templar on Friday the thirteenth, October thirteen o seven, King Philip the Fourth of France ordered the arrest of Knights Templar. They uh, most of the knights were tortured and killed. So that to me, I understand why. Um, Maybe that's one of the reasons we consider Friday the 13th bad luck. Yeah. It's a day that, like, a bunch of people got murdered by their king. Yeah. Um, the Knights Templar, are they, they're, are they bad guys or what's the deal? I don't know. Always, I didn't look into them. They're in all the conspiracy stuff. Right. They're that's like, some, uh, maybe we should add that as a topic. We really should talk about the Knights we'll Templar add that sometime. On. Um, so full moons... Years with 13 full moons posed problems for monks who were in charge of the calendar. Mm -hmm. It upset the arrangement of church festivals. You know, people get so angry <laughs> when their festivals aren't at the right times. People are pretty so, concerned about their festivals. So they deemed it bad luck. Basically, they're like, this is a nuisance. Bad luck. <laughs> um, also, a repressed lunar cult. Um, that's how they describe this on the wiki. Mm -hmm. But... And the number 13 is repre uh, represented femininity because there were 13 lunar or menstrual cycles. Uh, I As, see. Um, the solar calendar gained popularity. People just disliked the number 13. And this is basically how they described it. It just became a thing. They yeah. called it an anathema. It just became a thing people didn't like. They're like, ah, fuck that 13. Interesting. Fuck women. <laughs> Not in a fun way. That's really the lesson from history, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, also, in Hammurabi's Code, there's a myth that um, Hammurabi's Code was the first instance of superstition regarding the number 13 because the 13th code was omitted. Um, but in the actual Hammurabi's Code, they weren't numbered, so that's not really accurate. But there was a translation of it that did omit one of the codes. Okay. Because of the number. They numbered it, and so they omitted it. But it's not. It was a translation later on. It wasn't the actual code okay. itself. So what do they, like, number them 1 through 14 and skip 13 or something like that? I think so. Okay. Or they just left it out entirely or something. I'm not It'd be weird to leave completely one out. Sure. Yeah, it would be. It's kind of important. 
it's a, it's a code. Right. Every item on it is probably kind of It important. would really suck for someone if they read that translation so they didn't know it was a law they were breaking and yeah. then they were getting punished for it. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't in the version I had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it a lucky number? Is 13 lucky? Italy hmm. considers the number 13 lucky. Uh, they have a phrase, fare tradici, which means to do 13, which is basically like to hit the jackpot. Oh, wow. Okay. And in Italy, 17 is considered unlucky. Didn't say why, but that's their 13. Interesting that it's another prime. Yeah. I kind of think there's something about the prime number thing that that wigs people out. Yeah. You know how like um, in music, there's the circle of fifths. Yeah. And if you study music theory, you learn all about that. But you don't have to study music theory to naturally follow the circle of fifths. Mm -hmm. Like when I play music, I know very little about music theory. I know a little bit more than I used to. Mm -hmm. But when I first started writing music, I just played what sounded right. And when I started taking um, some lessons... Basically, my teacher was like, uh, you're, f- or maybe it was someone I dated who knew a lot about music theory. They were like, you're following the circle of fifths. Mm. Like you're, you consistently do this. And it's because <clears throat> they ended up calling it the circle of fifths and studying it because they realized we have a natural inclination towards it. It sounds good to our ears. Yeah. And I think it could be the same kind of thing. Like something we kind of instinctively know is like, Something about prime numbers just like means something to us without us really knowing what they mean. You know, I think the thing with with the circle of fifths, too, is that like because so much of the music you already know is rooted in sort of established music tradition. You you have a preference for it. Yeah, you learn it without knowing you're learning it. Right. Like even though you already have like an inclination towards this sounds great, it's reinforced. Well, it's like when we talked about. Indian music theory. Yeah. And I said, when you first listen to Indian music, it's going to sound wrong to your brain because it's totally different. It's not harmonic the way that ours is. Um, And ours is a lot. Essentially, if you grew up listening to Indian music, uh, our music is boring. Um, And they're, they're just totally different systems of making music. So I think what you're used to hearing really like what you're used to dictates what you gravitate towards because it's what you know yeah um then we kind of got sidetracked with the music thing but it's still (laughs) interesting and that's okay i think just to tie that quickly to to prime numbers and then move on it's like most of the numbers we're used to working with are multiples of other numbers for convenience sake i and i think people are drawn to even numbers in general Uh even numbers in general and uh and simple numbers that can be divided into chunks like the 24 or the the you know the it's just it's logical and neat yeah and easy to compute yes i think it's why we have and no one wants a decimal point (laughs) yeah right we just like whole numbers that are easy to break up Yes. Okay. Another group that thinks the number 13 is lucky Mm -hmm. is Colgate University. Okay. Um, Because they were founded in 1819 by 13 men with $13 and 13 prayers and 13 articles. (laughs) Their campus address is 13 Oak Drive. Really? Mm -hmm. I I think that's something they did later, maybe. Yeah, sure. It had to be. Um. 
And their male acapella group is called the Colgate 13 because of that. <laughs> so it's just something interesting. I this, thought it was cute. This sounds adorable. Right? This sounds in like, New York. It sounds like a university populated by elves or something. <laughs> I have a feeling that it might be like a Catholic university or it might be a religious university in some mm. way. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But the fact that they were founded with 13 prayers kind of makes me think that. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was cute. Also, um, they founded it with 13 bucks, so it must yeah. be a long ass time ago. Right. <laughs> And they they do the whole university. They they think the number thirteen is lucky. Like yeah. that is good luck for them, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, in the tarot deck, death is the thirteenth card. Interesting. And just to sum up that part before I get into my conclusion, if you go looking for meaning, you'll find it. Yes, I think so too. If you keep your eye out for the number thirteen, you're gonna notice it more. If you want to like prescribe a meaning describe a meaning to something you're going to do that like you're going to interpret things in your life as being meaningful because mm-hmm. you're noticing them yeah um so in conclusion people have all kinds of feelings and theories and superstitions about what numbers mean they're a way to explain the universe mm-hmm. and in interpret the things going on around us and there are so many interpretations and methods they can literally mean anything it's the way that if you and i've seen a video where someone did this say you get a group of people in a room and i say okay i did your horoscope and i'm going to give you a piece of paper that says what your personality is like or what your struggles are based on your Zodiac sign. Okay. You give the person this description, they're going to go, oh man, like that really resonates with me. But if I give someone else who's a different sign that same description, they also go, oh, that really resonates with me. Sure. Because since there's so many interpretations and methods And a lot of the language is usually pretty vague. Mm -hmm. Like we discussed before, there's always things that hit. There's always things that resonate because they're very general. Yeah. Um, If you say you have, you struggle with commitment, almost everyone struggles with commitment in one shape or form. You know, it's like, and it's a universal thing. Like how many movies are there about people struggling with commitment in some way? Like, we understand it as a concept. I think people underestimate how multitudinous they are. Yeah, I, I think people like in an effort mm. to define what kind of person they are, they kind of we oversimplify. Yeah, we have like a kind of a narrow idea. Like if we were asked to describe ourselves, we probably have a pretty narrow description. Yeah, and totally ignore the vast multitude of traits that we also have at other times. I think. Yeah, I think we also disregard the fact that. We can be different and act different based on circumstances and who we're around yeah. and the time of day, you know. We're not we're not simple creatures who just are what they are all the time. Right. We like to think that we are consistent. Yeah. We are and not. we are not hypocrites and we don't change with the weather, but we do. Yeah, you we know, totally do. We're you know, yeah, we're complicated. Yeah. Um one more thing I wanted to say. Is there 
are some feelings about numerology uh-huh. by skeptics. So skeptics generally regard numerology um, as a superstition and a pseudoscience that uses numbers to give the subject a veneer of scientific authority. Yeah. And there were two studies done in which they investigated numerological claims. There was one in the UK in 1993. It involved 96 people. And they determined there's no correlation between the number seven and self-reported psychic ability. Apparently that was the claim is that if you identify with the number seven for whatever reason, your name or birth date, you have psychic ability. That was what they said. So you would at least expect, you would at least expect those people to, to, to like maybe you said, their names self. were seven or their their birthday came out to seven. Yeah. But no, these are people who said they have psychic ability and it was I can only assume all over the map. I didn't dive too deep into that. Gotcha. There was another study in Israel in 2012 about that it involved a professional numerologist and 200 participants. It was designed to examine the validity of numerological diagnosis of learning disabilities like dyslexia, ADHD, and autism. Um, and they had they repeated the study twice, and they had negative results both times. Hmm. So basically, like, they did people's numerology, and they were saying, like, based on this number, you would have this trait. So this means you struggle more with this. So we're going to get you tested. You might have a learning disability. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out that way. What's really interesting about this stuff is it all seems like it has significance and works until you start measuring it. Mm-hmm. I do think that's true. It, the same with so much of this kind of thing is it, it <laughs> feels powerful. It feels real. Yeah. And you can identify with it. But when you break it down, there's either no true way to measure its validity Or you can find a way to measure it and it doesn't stack up. Yeah, right. That being said, it's fucking fun. It is fun. Like, it's fun. I still read my horoscope sometimes because it's fun. Yeah. I don't have to believe it. I like tarot and I like this stuff. I like the zodiac signs and my horoscope because it's fun to think about. It's fun to be like, maybe... We could predict what I'll be doing tomorrow at 2 p.m. Right. Even knowing. I do think there's a little bit of a trapdoor built into some of this stuff, like the people who are diehard into it, Mm -hmm. who go, well, sure, it wasn't completely accurate, but because that, you're using this system and not this system. Oh, that is, yes, there's a weasel way out. Or, like, it's not completely accurate because... You're using this version of the zodiac sign, but then they found out there's that whole extra sign so that changes things. Yeah. Or, or you know, you're using only like your birth date. You're not using the the time you were born, which mm-hmm. that's important too. Yeah. And that changes things. And you have a sun sign and a moon sign. And then if your other planet was in this thing, that can determine things. It's like there's always more to yeah. know. Yeah. Um, that can explain why it doesn't ring true. You know, if it was, uh, and maybe it is, I don't know, if there was a highly profitable sort of like uh, business around numerology, maybe there mm-hmm. is somewhere. 
Um, uh, there was a professional numerologist. Uh, means they're getting paid somehow. Yeah, because you, you got to think like that would be very easily exploited in the way that so many other things are. Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you just didn't get it the right way. I can go on a website right now yeah. and pay money for someone <laughs> to do my charts. Wow. Or pay money for my numerology. On that one website, I think it was um, Gaia.com. Yeah. It came up with like a, for 99 cents, do this thing. Sure. So it's like. Initial small ask. Yeah. There's definitely people making money off of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like, I don't like anyone preying on anyone else. Yeah. And it goes along with the whole like psychic thing of. The cold reading thing of like, you're going to have hits and you're going to have misses and people remember the hits more than the misses. Yeah. It's all fun and games until someone gets swindled. I don't want to see anyone get swindled over this stuff. Yeah. But I'm all for just like, you like it, you like it. That's fine. But like, don't invest large amounts of money in it. Don't let people take advantage of you. But yeah, sure. You know. Do some tarot. Sort of of all the things that we uh, have talked about on here, this is pretty low on the scale of like how bad is this going to wreck your life? (laughs) I mean, it can't in the most extreme cases. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. But if you're just using it like the lay person like you and I and just think it's cool and interesting and it's fun to play around with, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. We can loosen up. It's we can just shake fine. it up. We can have fun. <laughs> we don't gotta be so angry and skeptical all the time, baby. Baby, smile baby, a bit. Baby, just play around with the numbers a little bit. Come have on. a little bit of fun. Do a little addition. See how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> this was a fun episode. Yeah, this was fun. I have a challenge for our audience because all of this talking about numbers and imagined significance got me thinking. If you've listened to this whole episode, for the next week, I want you to treat the number 11 like it's your magic number. We're just going to create this out of whole cloth. I'll do this, too. Um, Take the number 11. That is so weird. Keep it in mind as a significant number. And ride with it. See where you see it. Baby, I'm already doing it. (laughs) <laughs> well, you your number was one of those on the chart. Your, yes, your but no, I was just doing Boba's number. <laughs> Guess what his number is? Is it is it eleven? It's eleven. <laughs> so see, see, this is why I wanted it to do this. Means something <clears throat> because I, someone who knows nothing, but have mm-hmm. just decided that this is important. Now it is to us as a as a group. If you're listening, so I'm gonna try to keep track of this too. Yeah, I think it would be a worthwhile exercise because I have said to people before, if you are looking for something, you'll find it. Because people mm-hmm. people do go, God, I'm seeing this number all over the place. What I've does done it, mean? it too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't say what does it mean. I, I know it's a coincidence, but I have had yeah. times that's happened, or like a word that I'd never heard of, yeah. and then all of a sudden, and it's like kind of a word you don't hear all the time, and then you'll hear it and again. All of a sudden, immediately, three times in one day, and you're like. Why is everyone saying this word all of a sudden? (laughs) It's just like you're just noticing it. So that's what I I thought this would be a fun exercise. Let's all treat 11 like it's our magic number for one week and just see what happens. And if you're listening, uh, let us know if you happen to spot it everywhere. Uh, Because I'm of the opinion, this is my experiment, we will start to see it if we we just keep in mind that it's significant. And did it bring you good luck? Yeah. Yeah, tell us that. (laughs) 
Was it a lucky number 11 or an unlucky number 11? These are the things we need to know. Right. Yes. This yeah. is science. This Secret. is how we do it. <laughs> so uh, I, thank you so much for that episode. That was super interesting. This was one of the more lighthearted and fun episodes that we've done in a little while. Yeah. And I think we really needed it. In this one, no one got murdered. No one died. No one died. That I talked. Well, the Knights... Knights of the true. Templar die. A That's lot of true. those guys Knights die. Knights Templar definitely they die. They definitely die. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> shout out to the Knights Templar. <laughs> Maybe uh, We don't know if they're good or bad yet. Yeah. We'll just, find out in another episode. I'm just going to shout about it anyway. <laughs> All right. Just shout out. Um, I, I like this kind of stuff because it speaks to our ability to create information out of noise, I think. Yeah. Which is a fascinating human capability and actually a drive. Brains are super good at it. Yeah. It's one of our it's one of our best skills. It's sort of like mm-hmm. how we built so much of what we do in the world is is mm-hmm. bringing chaos or I mean, order we, out of chaos. We make languages, we make number <laughs> systems, yeah. we learn math. It's yeah. it's all to compute to understand what's going on around us and to make shortcuts for interpreting what's going on around us. And our brain does a lot of this naturally, Mm -hmm. but when you start thinking about what your brain does, it's really cool. Yeah. And this is just one more thing to try to explain the world and the things we don't understand, especially Mm -hmm. back in the day when a lot of these things originated, mm-hmm. when we understood we didn't have as much knowledge of science. Yeah, right. Um, it just, it was a way to explain the unexplicable. Yeah, I think so. It's like our earliest and most rudimentary systems that like figuring out stuff we couldn't even begin to understand. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks again. That was awesome. Uh, I guess that does it for this episode of Goose Chase. Um, keep your eyes peeled for 11s and, uh, we will see you next week with another episode. This has been Goose Chase. I I just did that. You did Goose Chase? Yeah, you were on your phone. I'm sorry. I was was adding the Knights Templar to our list. Oh my God. I missed it. You missed it. Do it. Do it again. Hold on. Let's rewind. So that has been this week's Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Uh, Join us next week for another episode. Thank you so much for letting me do the Goose Chase again. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It would be like holding a sneeze. I know you guys. Yes, I was distracted. I've only missed it once before. (laughs) It felt weird when you didn't join in. I'm sorry. I I like kind of gave some space, and then I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel right at all. I'm just gonna again make an excuse that I only had three (laughs) hours of sleep. Fair enough. And there's a mice living in my room. There is a there's mice. There's a mice <laughs> living in my room. Yeah. You Let's know end there. Let's end there. Uh, <laughs> we will see you next week with another episode. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 